Welcome back for another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as ever by Will Schroeder, my partner and the CEO of Startups.com. Will, today we are going to unpack a big one, uh, one that everybody has faced at one point or another, and, and I think a lot of founders struggle with this kind of throughout their careers. And that's that, um, much like everybody else in the population, we are flawed creatures. But when is it okay to talk about our flaws? As a startup founder, when is it okay to show some vulnerability and to be able to, to kind of put it out there for other people to see and to, to be honest about? What's, what's the story here? Bring it back a little bit. Let's go back 10, 20 years. It wasn't okay to bring up your flaws. I can't think of any time, let's say, during my you know, halcyon years of the 90s where it was okay to just say, this is how I'm feeling and let's share it. Right. <laughs> like, right. if, I, if I sat in a, a board meeting, if I sat in a company meeting, if I sat, <laughs> if I sat at lunch with you and we're like, Ryan, I've got some serious issues. You'd be like, dude, I don't think you should be telling anybody this. <laughs> yeah, right. Keep it, keep it quiet, man. Somebody might be listening. No, I mean, watching. I, there was no high five moment. I mean, it's just different times, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. It shows a sign of progress, you know, as a society. I think in an era of social media where, you know, as a group, we've we've definitely exposed everything at this point. You know what I mean? And so I think all of our our high points and many of our low points have become a common discussion thread online. And to be fair, it didn't start with call it CEOs, founders, or high profile people necessarily. In yeah. the past, those were the people who had the microphone or the camera on them, right? Yeah. They, they were on the cover of a magazine talking about their flaws, if they were. It started with just the every person out there kind of sharing what was wrong with them. And then all of a sudden, that started to bubble up a little bit. And then it started to become more of a discussion point. I, thankfully, by the way, I'm, again, I'm, I'm being thankful for this. This is me being critical. I'm right. just saying, if we had this topic 20 years ago, is it okay to Admit your flaws. I think just be no. Hit stop recording. A, yeah, it would have been it would have been a very early podcast. B, it would have yeah, it would have been the shortest podcast ever. Is it okay? No. Bye. And, and, and just to be fair, like we wouldn't be having this podcast if I wouldn't I wasn't so excited that we could even talk about this. And if you listen to the startup therapy podcast, you know that a hallmark of what we do is talk about being vulnerable, right? Yeah. And what kind of messed up creatures we are. Yep. We've come a long way, baby. And this podcast is really a testament to life and times of what founders actually get to share, which is where our problem begins, because we don't have a long history of kind of how to do this right. 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 So yeah, I exactly. Think today, this is, this is all new for us. Yeah, Millions. yeah. Uh. Get them off me. And so I think one of the things we get to do today, and I'm really excited about it, is not only talk about, you know, as as founders, as, as executives, what our flaws might be, but how to talk to them in a method where we can understand there's consequence to talking about these flaws. Because if I'm just some random college student and I'm on Facebook and I want to talk about my depression issues or I want to talk about my anxiety issues, or I want to talk any flaw that I have, right? I'm in a fairly consequence-free environment. Right, I probably just have loving people around me, and they just want to help me, and and that's awesome. Yeah, but, there's also an emoji for anything you might be feeling at this point. So yeah, oh my god, yeah, yeah. like I'm I'm good, I'm covered, I'm in a safe place, I think. But if I'm the CEO of a company, I don't quite get the same latitude. Why? Because I'm still a regular person, yeah. but 
my words have true consequence, right? Our stock price could change based on what I just shared. Our employee morale could change. A venture fund might not, you know, invest in our company. There are there are real consequences to showing your flaws, right? <laughs> this daytime drinking thing that I just can't <laughs> seem to get under control, right? <laughs> it, it, you know, in, ends and, poorly. For example, mental health has been brought to the forefront of the of the startup uh, discussion and narrative yeah. is incredibly powerful. You know, I for one a huge proponent of people getting in front of it. A lot of the stuff we've talked about on the show has been about how mental health is a very real thing. Physical health, you know, Ryan, you and I have done whole shows dedicated to <laughs> terrible our health has become over over this startup stuff, and we get a lot of fan mail. You know, from yeah. people who say to us, they say, "Hey." Thank you for talking about that because yes, thanks for bringing it out. Yep. Right? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting too that you know I, we've always been called crazy, right, as entrepreneurs and as founders, yeah. but now we get to be more specific about exactly why. And I think that that's I think that's that's really powerful. We get to talk about the meds that go with it. And look, right. <laughs> this is part part of my language here. This is a fucked up experience that we go through, right? Yeah, this is sure. a crazy traumatic experience we go through as founders. There's no cool version of it. There's some highs, there's mainly lows, and it usually ends poorly, yeah, right? And I just, sure. I want to point that out because it exposes all of our flaws. You know, all of the things that, that, that we're challenged with the most are so drawn out of us and almost impossible to ignore as startup founders. So if we have to bottle it up, if we have to hide those flaws all the time and wear this kind of mask, if you will, of perfection... I don't think it ends well for us. I think personally as a founder, over the last 10 years, as I've been able to be far more open about the challenges that I have, life's gotten dramatically better. But I've also learned that it comes with consequence and it comes with a certain amount of tact that you have to employ in order to be able to share. Sure. Yeah. You, how you take the top off that bottle matters a lot, I think. It's a great way to put it. And, and you know, when and where uh, that happens, how it happens it's really tough because on, on one hand, you want to be able to be as honest as you can about it, but not all forms of honesty are created equal, right? Like there, it's, it's a lot of this comes down to how you say it and, and maybe to who and, and, and when you release the information, right? I think that there are places where it's definitely okay to be just absolutely brutally honest. You know, we see some of this stuff happen at the, the founder dinners that we do and yeah. that, you know, there are points there where everybody's in that environment. They feel safe. They know they're surrounded by peers. They all operate on the assumption that this is going to stay within these four walls for that evening and forever. And so you can see people kind of crack the, the shell, open, open the armor and, and let go. And that's an okay place to do that. Right. Twitter, on the other hand, maybe not the right place for the full-on, brutal, unfiltered honesty. Again, depending on what it is. Uh, I think the other thing that's always interesting to think about for me is why? Why am I, why am I releasing this? Why, why, am, I just, am I letting go for the sake of letting go? If that's the case, does it really matter what the audience is, right? Am I seeking help? If so, am I seeking it in a, in a healthy way or am I just throwing it out there because I'm, a, I'm afraid to be specific about it and I just want to kind of throw it against the wall and see what sticks? So it's always interesting to me as I think about when, when I want to make my own personal relevations, why am I doing it? And, and right. why in the way that I'm doing it? I think there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think it tells you a lot about the issue itself in terms of how you decide to, to, to put that out there for people. Yeah. And I, I think that you know, let's, let's, let's set the stage here. You know, maybe Ryan, why don't we talk about, <laughs> why don't we just go in full on admission mode 
about what some of our flaws are, just so we can talk about historically how we've talked about them. You know, TLDR on that, it worked out pretty well. You know, I think so. I'll bring this up to kind of kick it off. A couple months ago, I was dealing with this this huge issue. We did a whole episode on this where I had this this really weird, bizarre condition called trigeminal neuralgia, which is a nerve issue. It's it's considered one of the most painful afflictions you can have. And I'm here to tell you that's true. <laughs> second only to starting a company. Yeah, second only to starting a company. It's a, a condition where a nerve fires inappropriately in your head and makes you feel like your head's going to explode uh, all the time. Wait, is this trigeminal neuralgia or is this starting a company? I love that. <laughs> it's actually exactly the same. And kind of hard not to bring up, right? I mean, you can't see it, right? Unless you see me wincing in pain and crying on yep. the floor, right? That part you'll yeah. notice, We've which you it. have, which you have. But where I get anxious, where I was anxious when this first all started happening years ago is I didn't want that to be a distraction. I didn't want it to be like, hey, we've got a whole team of people that are you're relying on me for a paycheck. I don't want them distracted by whether or not the CEO is going to curl up in the fetal position and cry and not do his job. Is that the the right answer? Probably not, but that was what was going through my head. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I didn't realize you could open up about your issues. I, I just thought you you tuck that way down <laughs> and, you, and you don't talk about it and you go figure it out at home. Yeah. And, and, and I would, by which you mean by yourself at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and I would come to learn later that that was a, it was an old truth. You know, I think it, that used to maybe be the case and it was probably flawed back then too. But we live in an environment where there's far more acceptance, not all the time, but you know, I, I think uh, more so than ever in history. Ryan, when I brought it to you and Elliot and, you know, the different staff members at the time, I got full support. But more importantly, yep. Everyone started to understand, hey, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some points where Will can't talk, and we won't tell him, but we're actually like that part. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, um, I want to touch on something you said, because yeah. I, think it's, I think there's an important uh, kind of secondary factor here. And it's, you know, you said that we're in a, in a kind of a more tolerant environment now, and it's okay to talk about it. I think that one of the challenges in the past was because there wasn't enough information about any of these topics in general, even if you brought it up, the person on the other side of the table could do no more than maybe listen and, and not even ah, have a good understanding of what you're talking about. And so I think great point. because we're in the information age now, for better or for worse, we have access to a lot more of it and we're armed with discussion points. We're armed with some knowledge, hopefully. So I think it's easier to find somebody who can actually listen and then, and then respond in a more meaningful way, right? If you have no context for, for what that person's talking about, even if you wanted to help, the most you could do was listen. And I, I know we all, we all know that listening can be a good thing. And sometimes people just need to get things off their chest. However, when you're, you're exposing an issue and you really do need help or perspective or feedback, if the person on the other side of the table has no context, no information, it's really, really hard to be helpful. That's a really good point, man. And if no one shared their flaws before yeah, and you haven't seen a successful full, you know, go around of, I shared my flaws, everyone was cool about it okay, maybe I can share my flaws too, then nobody's going to step in the ring first. That's right. right. The, the, the incentive is definitely not there. And the reward, if you can call it that, it, nobody's ever seen it before, right? Yeah, you don't know whether there will be a reward. You're, yeah. it's, you're literally jumping off into the abyss. And, you, and you have no idea if you're going to land soft or land at all or just be ridiculed. Yeah, so I, I think that we're, we're in an environment now where it still takes bravery to do these things. But I think that it, the the barrier that you have to cross is significantly lowered at this point. 
my list goes on infinitely, but I'd be curious as to what comes to mind when when you think about you know some of the flaws you're maybe hesitant to bring up, but did and and whether that worked for you. Yeah, so you know, it, and I I shared a small anecdote a couple of a couple of podcasts ago on this, where it was pointed out to me that I was far too critical of other people and that I was far too hard and pushing people far, far, far too hard. And then I was justifying that by saying, yeah, but I'm pushing myself harder. And, and that, that just really didn't matter at all, right? The, the, the fact that I was holding myself to a higher standard didn't mean that I was, I was holding them to a fair standard. This is an interesting case study because then as I took the information in about this, it opened up another flaw, which is at that time, I was not good at taking feedback, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about one of my flaws, but I'm incapable of absorbing information in the right way because I wasn't used to taking feedback in, in a constructive way and, and doing something with it. I would, I would become defensive. Um, and in some cases, like exactly in this case, when, when my coach came to me and said, hey, you're pushing the rest of the team too hard. Right. My response was attack to defend. Yeah, but I'm right. pushing myself harder. Right. And, and so there's sort of, you know, I guess you could you probably pull that out into three different flaws. One, I was being too hard on others. Two, I was unwilling to, to take feedback for myself. And three, when faced with feedback, rather than absorb it, I was I was attacking to defend, which I would I would even throw in as a, as a separate separate flaw. It was the, the second one of those, right, which was the ability at some point to absorb the feedback. And I realized that there were still points where I would attack to defend. Despite that, I would at least take the feedback to heart. And sometimes it would take months or, or a year or more to really do anything about the feedback. But it was there, right? I, I didn't completely let it, let it roll off. I didn't, I didn't, you know, put on the Teflon and, and just, you know, completely ignore the feedback. But those were some big ones. And, and I remember uh, going to a couple of early, early mentors, one of my college professors who, who turned out to be an excellent mentor for me and asking like, you know, how can I be better at, at receiving the, the feedback? And, and she gave an excellent piece of advice, which was take it to heart, but take it for what it is, right? They're not attacking you. They're not trying to prove you wrong. They're not trying to denigrate you in any way. They're probably trying to help you, right? Even if that isn't their intention, you can take it that way. And, and that was really powerful for me to, to hear that. And that really helped me get past that one. And so I just started to look at those pieces of feedback, whether they were delivered well or not, as gold nuggets that I could use to improve myself, improve my processes. Um, and I think I'm much better at it now. There's, there's still times, you know, where like you're already having a bad day and then somebody, somebody says something about, you know, something you've done or something you haven't done and, and you can take it the wrong way. But I think I'm, I'm far better now at kind of leaning back and, and taking that feedback. And what a game changer that is, right? Because if the only feedback you ever get is from the echo chamber in your own head, good luck. Right. I'm never going to be smart enough to figure it all out. Right. That's what the rest of the world is here to help me with. <laughs> you know, I think what's something interesting about what you said, though, Ryan, how you responded to that feedback, how you responded to how you present your flaw, so to speak, yeah. is so characteristic of whether or not this is going to work well for you. For example, if I present my flaw and I've got this mentality that how dare you question my flaw? Right? right. You know, I'm going to present it. I'm going to express my vulnerability. But if you even for a second don't respond in the way I expect you to, shame on you. You can't attack people with your flaws. Right. 
right. have crippling anxiety, right? And Ryan, you've dealt with me for so long. It's a total joy, right? But everything freaks me out all the time. Has and it has its moments, right? If I admit that to you, <laughs> that I would have to for a second. It's very evident. But if I were to admit that to you, Ryan, and you were to say, well, Will, you really have to do something about it. And my response was some version of, well, you know, again, pardon my French, go fuck yourself. Like, Ryan, how dare you attack? Look, that is the wrong way to admit your flaws. Of course right? it is, man. All you have to do in that moment is have a panic attack. Yeah. And then I'll never bring it up again and be like, let's just don't trigger him, okay? Just double move over the back floor. slowly yeah. and leave yeah. Mountain Dew on the table. Everything yeah. will be fine. Look, man, and, and from, from my standpoint, when I present a flaw, what I want to do is I want to show vulnerability and I want to show honesty. People yeah. generally don't lie about their flaws. We lie about everything else. Everything else gets exaggerated. But our flaws, we tend to keep pretty close to the vest. I may have lied about my pool shooting capabilities more than once in a bar in order to win <laughs> some money. But yeah. You're a hustler, Ryan. So when I look at the ability and advantage, let's say, to share our flaws, here's how I look at it. Number one, I think it's one of the most powerful ways you can connect to other humans. Right. For sure. I don't think the the old school Gordon Gecko version where I'm supposed to show everyone how I'm perfect at everything and I'm kind of, you know, the, the master of the universe. I those days are gone. Right. If you're trying to pretend you're that person, people don't even believe you anymore. Right. The 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 world is is gone past that. Now that doesn't mean we have to go into full therapy mode with our entire staff, right? With showing everything. But I think there's a lot of benefit and being able to show the folks around you that, yeah, I've got some challenges too, right? I don't need to For put sure. on this perfect persona. I'm dealing with crazy stuff every day. I think opening up is a powerful dialogue because here's here's what it is. And you, Ryan, you and I have talked about this and I love this part. It gives other people permission to open the kimono as well. Boom. And, it, and, and that's... It, Starts with the that's CEO. The big piece, right? And, right. and I think that that's, you know, it's, it's even, even if we're not talking about deep character flaws, like even just admitting small mistakes, right? Like, oh, well, I made the wrong decision here. I went the wrong direction with this. Yep. I didn't think about that and I should have. That gives everybody else permission to make mistakes because regardless of whether we give them permission or not, they're going to make mistakes. Right. The difference between having permission to make mistakes, the permission to be flawed, and not is simply how they'll feel about it, right? Because they're going to then have to feel like they hide them. They're going to bottle them up. They're going to push it down. It's going to affect their performance. It's going to impact their relationship with you, with the rest of their colleagues. And it's going to close the door on honest conversations that you could have had to help them improve their performance. And or in the worst case scenario, they're actually going to hide things from you that may be critical to understand in order to you know run the company or, or at 100%. least have them perform the way they should. How about this? So I've been very explicit about my my anxiety. I've got ADHD, which triggers anxiety, which just simply means I freak out all the time about everything uh, and puts me in kind of red alert mode all the time. Yeah. Uh, not awesome, by the way. There was a time and a place where it was kind of like nice, like it gave me a superpower kind of founder thing. And now just as a parent, it's just not paying any kind of dividends. <laughs> and so, so, oh, man. And, 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 and we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about not just how I handle it, but how I explain and show the, the progression for that flawed and why that, you know, that's important. But here's what's interesting. Ever since I kind of got front and center on that, and, I, and you know, I've written articles about it, Ryan, we've, we've done, I think, a show about it. Here's what happened. Our staff comes to me now and they say, hey, man, I, I got to tell you, I've just been dealing with some crazy anxiety. And then here's what's awesome. They know that I understand. Yeah, I'll say implicitly. this. Implicitly. Buddy, if I were to go back 10, 20 years, 
no one would have come to me with that, right? No one would, 20 years ago at Blue Diesel, the agency would have said, hey, Will, can we sit down? Uh, I'm having a real tough time getting this client work done because my anxiety is just firing like mad. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. And it would have been true and I could have helped them at so many levels and it would have never come up because I had never established an environment where we can talk about our flaws so sure. we can actually work through them, which I think kind of brings us to the next point, Ryan, which is how do we talk about how we're working through them? Sharing your flaws is the easy part right? Yeah. <laughs> relative to it. How you share them in, in the path you use to say, and here's how I deal with it, is kind of the more important part of this. And I think this is the, the, the heart of the discussion. Sure. And, and I mean, this, yeah, this is the heart of the discussion. This is the, the most critical piece because if all you do is expose the flaw and then you don't talk about doing anything about it, I mean, the, the worst thing to do would be to say nothing, right? I think you can also overdo it and, and just become uh, manic about it, right? But I think that you do have to address the fact that, you know, here's, here's what I'm doing to solve this or here's what I did to solve it, right? And certainly we can, we can look to some of our flaws and say, hey, we're, we're actually on the other side of this now and that's great. But there's certainly flaws that that we that we still go through. I still have flaws, patience being one of them, although it's getting <laughs> much, much better with children. Yeah. I have so many more opportunities to practice it, and the cost of getting it wrong is so much higher. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, this is this is an absolutely critical piece of this. So what's worked for you in terms of getting the conversation right? What's enough? What's what's too much? In my mind, I try to get to the point. And I sometimes even lead with this, which is, hey, you know, let me tell you about something that I wrestle with all the time. But for what it's worth, let me tell you about the hack that I use to get past it. Here's how I yeah. manage it, right? Again, I spent a lot of time over the years talking about anxiety, mainly because every single founder has it. And it's one of those topics where a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. But it's like, I already know you have it. So <laughs> let's talk about what to do with it. Yep. It's kind of impossible not to. Here's how I like to frame these things. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to the article that I wrote, uh, How I Harness My Insane Startup Anxiety. Think about what that article implies, how I harness it. Yeah. In this case, the article, uh, you can Google it or you can look at it, one of our past podcasts, talks about I have insane ADHD, like off the charts bad. However, there are actually some advantages to that. It also puts me in modes where I have like superpower mode where I can get through huge problems really quickly. But it comes at the expense of being up at four in the morning, working on a problem that doesn't actually matter, <laughs> like a lot. And so I talk about all the different methods I use to, to manage that anxiety, everything from some of the supplements I've taken that have actually kind of made it go away to the extent that it can, which has been amazing and life-changing, to some of just the mental models I use to kind of like compartmentalize uh, anxiety in a good way. To say, yeah. is this is this problem really this big? What's the rubric I'm going to run it through to, to, to size the problem before I artificially freak out about it? I think I went years uh, with with anxiety and, and I was calling it something else. So I think even just like being able to put the right finger on it helps a ton. So for me, it was, I was over-analytical, right? I was ah, over-analytical. I wasn't worrying. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't anxious. No, of course not. I was over-analytical. And, and I worked to solve that particular problem. I think that had I started calling it anxiety, it might've been a bit easier uh, than I could have, I could have found help faster. But for me, it was, it was similar to what you described, right? There were some mental models that I used and they were pretty basic, right? I, I would find myself up at night rethinking the same problem 
for the fourth, fifth, sixth time. Sure. And I would finally, what finally ended up working for me was I would, I would say, okay, look, first, first decision, is this really a problem or not? If yes, am I actually going to do something about it or not? Right. And these are just binary gates. And I'm having this conversation with myself. So of course I can, I can lie to myself and I can, I can, you know, continue to worry about it. But for me, it worked pretty well. I would go through this little, little, little routine of, is this really a problem? Yes. Okay. Am I actually willing to put in the time to do something about it? Or am I just going to spin my wheels worrying about it? If the answer was yes, then what am I going to do about it? And then the thing that I found was just writing it down. Just grab a notebook, beside the bed, write down, here are the steps I'm going to take to, to solve this problem. And then, and then somehow that, that sort of just put a bow on it and I no longer needed to feel that anxious about it. Of course, mileage varies. Certain issues will come back and, and haunt you. But it's simple things like that that, uh, that have kind of gotten me through. Some of these bigger issues, the solutions were actually quite small for. It's not just the fact that you have the solution, which is awesome. It's the fact that you can communicate it. Because here's the yeah. thing. I, I think there's two parts of what you just said. I think the first part is admitting that there is an issue, a sense yeah. of self-awareness, right? If you're just a complete jerk to your employees and you show no sense of contrition or self-awareness, right? That is so painful, right? If you were to say, hey, you know, sometimes I'm probably a little bit much to deal with. I tend to get over-analytical. That's part one. At least yep. you're, people can see, okay, like, by the way, everyone else already sees it. Everyone else has already prescribed it. That's right? the thing, right? That is what, absolutely the thing. What matters, especially as leadership, is that you prescribe it, right? right? You know, on your own volition. So I think the admission goes a long way to making people say, okay, good. They've got a little bit of self-awareness here. Cool. The second part is that you're actually willing to do something about it. You know, it's one thing to say, hey guys, I know I have this huge problem, but if if the follow-up is just deal with it, right, that's not exactly what people want to hear. If you say, hey, I've got this huge problem, I know it affects you, which shows some empathy, I know it affects you, and here's what I'm doing about it. Let me give you an example of where somebody didn't do this. About 15 years ago, I get a call from an employee, a good, good guy. And he said to me, he said, hey, Will, uh, can't come in today. And I said, oh, man, are you doing okay? And he said, yeah, you know, from time to time, I'm just kind of not feeling it, and uh, I just don't like to work. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Perfect. Uh, I, was like, yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, that's he thought he was really? living in 2020, right? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. No, it, it, was, uh, it was, I was so taken aback by it. I mean, I've had, thousands of employees. So I, I've had, I've had a lot of, uh, I don't know, shots and goal in this that hadn't had that one before. Now, again, bear with me on this. The backstory is he actually had severe depression issues. I was not aware of, which is sort of the point here. Later on, we'd come to, uh, come to kind of unpack this a bit. I kind of leaned in and said, Hey man, if there's something you're dealing with, like, let's work on it together. Yeah, yeah. And eventually he opened up, he felt really good about it and we got to a great place, but here's why it broke. He had an absolutely legitimate reason for not coming to work. But if you don't present it as such, right? Right. If you just present the outcome, hey, I just don't feel like coming to work. <laughs> In his mind, he just assumed I understood why. Like he, he assumed right. I understood the flaw and would just put the pieces together. Clearly, I didn't. And so I'm just going to respond as, wow, that's a really irresponsible thing to say. What the hell just happened? As founders, as managers, as executives, what have you, we have the same responsibility, right? We may not be reporting up to a boss, so to speak, 
but we have the same responsibility. It's incumbent on us to be able to say, hey, I'm acting a certain way or I see a certain outcome that's being driven by me. Man, that's on me. I'm, I'm kind of shitty at this. But not only just admitting it, admitting it's kind of the easy part. Right. Here, right. Here's what I do about it. One of the things often that I, I tell you, know, you, Elliot, or anybody else is, if I get to this point, run a signal flare up. Tell me. Hey, Will, like, I, I think you're kind of going to crazy town right now, right? Like, settle down. And that's a checkpoint for me. It's admitting my flaw, giving the people around me a safety valve, right? A safe word to be able to say. Woodchuck. Like, yeah. Woodchuck. <laughs> and so it puts us all in a great position. It allows me to get my flaws out in front of me to kind of create my own guidelines. And it allows the people around me to feel safe to operate in an environment where my flaws aren't just this nuclear attack. All right, so we've given a lot of context around when and how and why we should share these things, but is, uh, is there a point, and this is my chance to speak French now, is there a point where we should just shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah, there is, actually. It may be the future that we're living in now, but th there is still a time and a place for all of this. So yeah. let's, let's kind of map that out a little bit because I don't want this to turn into... Hey, Will and Ryan said it's a good idea for every founder to just kind of like puke at the mouth every flaw that they've ever had. It's not always a good time. Here are some I don't want. I don't want to get that email from anybody. <laughs> no. So uh, listen to the podcast. Yeah. Went to our board meeting and uh, yeah, they've, uh, they've removed me. Well, actually, I love that scenario because let's say that that scenario exists. And, and I'm going to bring in a bit of a tricky problem to address. Let's say, uh, kind of like the, the employee that I was talking about before, as a CEO, I've got a serious, serious depression issue, yeah. right? Deal with a long time. I've kind of, maybe I've, maybe I've masked it a little bit up to here and it's kind of, you know, welling up inside and I've got a board meeting. I've got uh, venture investors and during the board meeting, you know, slide 10, I bring up, listen guys, just something I want to get off my chest. I've been dealing with some, you know, pretty crippling de depression and I really just want you guys to understand. Bear with me on this. There is a chance that it goes totally well, that you have these really well-meaning, really well-understanding board members, and they sit down with you and said, hey, we get it. That's not the way to do it, right? What you don't want to do is present this in kind of this big fanfare, if you will, not knowing how people might react, expecting them to react exactly the way you want them to. Yeah. You're sort of forcing them into a particular reaction, whether they want it or not, which is in that moment, they're going to have to kind of swallow it, right? And, and I don't think that's ever a good position to put people in because they may not feel like they can be as honest as they want to in that moment. It's exactly uh, which, it. Yeah. Not healthy you, for anybody. You, people may not uh, react the way you want them to, but you have to consider the moment of delivery. If I want to deliver that same message, I'll pull each board member aside one at a time 100%. and explain it to them. I won't throw it as a hand grenade into the room and hope it goes well, right? right. Well, it, this may seem obvious, but if you are reaching out and wanting to be honest, would you not want to do that in an environment where the person you're presenting this to can be honest in return? And, and if you're not, yeah. then I would go back and ask yourself, why the hell are you doing this in the first place? It doesn't make any sense at that point. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the same goes with, with putting on social media. That might not be the best way to present it. Tag uh, all your board members. <laughs> I mean, I Depressed. just like... You, not coming in today. Cheers. And, and honestly, I see that a fair amount. I see people yeah. like kind of, you know, come out, so to speak, with whatever issue they've got on social media and just kind of just shotgun it into the air and say, hey, let's see how this goes. 
Now, so, so hang on, so hold on that one for a second, because I think there's 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 some interesting stuff there. Why do you suppose they're they're doing that? Do you think that the the supposition is that by putting it on social media, I'm getting it out there, but I'm also buffering it a little bit that this softens it somehow that you know people will be kinder if I do it here as opposed to doing it one on one? Is it that are we trying to force a particular reaction again? Is that why they're doing that? Could be a number of reasons. Sometimes people do it because it's convenient. I'll give you an example. Like uh, when I had to go in for my fourth surgery for this trigeminal neuralgia issue, I posted it on Facebook uh, yeah. a couple months ago. Mainly because by that point, I'd been dealing with it for so long. I figured most people already knew what I was going through. And for all our staff members and stuff, they kind of knew what was going on. And I'd mentioned it in, on multiple occasions. But like, I was just like, this is just be an easier way to kind of get the You definitely assumed that people had some context because what you said was brain surgery tomorrow. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> it was that, a bit that of a- implies some understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, to be fair, in retrospect, would I have posted that again? Maybe, maybe not. There happened to be a weird silver lining to that. It turned out like three or four of my friends had the same condition, which is so bizarre because it's such a rare condition. And I actually helped a couple of them get treatment that they needed for like what's essentially a debilitating uh, condition. So, you know, silver lining. But that said, in that case, I had already communicated to the stakeholders that I needed to communicate to that I was concerned about. And so this wasn't like a, hey, Ryan Elliott, rest of management team, by the way, I may never talk again. (laughs) Oh, I read it on social media. Yeah. Not appropriate. By that point, I had had long conversations for years with the entire staff. So kind of people knew what was up. And anybody that was learning for the first time, it was okay if they didn't actually know. But let me give you a different context. I'm crazy stressed out, let's say. Two years in, um, a company's almost out of money. I don't know if I can make payroll. And I decide to share my stress at lunch with my coworkers. <laughs> Guys, I got to tell you, I am so stressed out. I have no idea if we're going to make payroll again. Totally true. Totally yeah. honest. Probably not the probably way to bring not it up. the right time to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> Who would like to buy my lunch today? I've already maxed my personal cards. And oh I'm not God. planning on paying any of us next week. I I got to tell you, it's this isn't about being dishonest. It's about being appropriate, right? right. We, we have to understand that that as leaders of an organization, it is incumbent on us to find the right time, place, and presentation of our flaws in a yeah. way that other people can understand, respond to, you know, in, in, a, in a reasonable manner, and work through with us. We can't just say, I'm feeling it today. Everybody hear it. Let's see what happens. Right. Now, I, so, and, but the, the, yeah, so the, the, the follow-on to that is have a point. Right. This was this was something that I learned from yeah. watching planes, trains and automobiles. Uh, Steve Martin points this out to John Candy at some point in a very nice way. But he's like, you know, have have a point. If you're going to tell a story, have a point. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, this is this is critical as founders that, you know, if we're just going to dump this out there, going back to the examples that you gave earlier. Right. If, if you're if this is impacting their work, right, if they're having to deal with you as being an aggressive boss or a depressed boss or a super anxious boss or somewhere this manifests for them as, as a negative, right? They're having to deal with, with some manifestation of this problem, then talking to them about it makes sense, right? If you're just looking for feedback, that's okay too, but think about what you're gonna do with the feedback, why, and whether they're the right audience to seek it from or not, right? Have a point, understand 
what at least you think the end game is before you begin this conversation. I'm not saying overanalyze it and make sure and game it so that it comes out the way you want it, but at least have some idea of what you hope the outcome to be or don't have the conversation yet. Correct. And from my standpoint, I straddle this line, Ryan, when I talk about this subject with founders, because on the one hand, I don't want to prevent people from sharing issues, especially if there's something, you know, really bubbling up. You know, when we get into mental health issues, sometimes these things take a dark turn. And, and I don't like the anything that would prevent people from sharing early so that they can kind of get the help that they need. Right. So that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum is I just don't really consider some of the responsibilities that I have. And I just kind of, again, puke everything on social media and assume that's just going to be okay and it should figure right. itself out. The world's just not that simple. It doesn't work quite that easily. Where possible, I like this measured approach in between. I like being vulnerable. I like sharing my flaws. I like the honesty that comes with this. But I like it in a package where I'm delivering it to people to show that I've got a responsible manner that I'm dealing with these flaws. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. <laughs>